Hi, this is Nathan Toops, and you're listening to episode 12 of Embracing Disruption. Welcome back. This is part two of the South by Southwest 2014 coverage. In this episode, we actually have a conversation with our first South by Southwest interactive panelist. But before we get started, I wanted to go ahead and make an announcement. Um, On Wednesday, April 2nd, I'll be leading a roundtable discussion. It's uh, the post-South by Southwest roundtable discussion at Conjunctured Coworking Space in Austin from 6 to 7.30. You can see the Eventbrite invite um, and make a reservation to be at the roundtable. We'll have that in the show notes. So if the theme of the first South by Southwest episode was about women in tech, featuring Dr. Sue Black from Tech Moms, this episode is about innovation in the developing world. There were a lot of sessions at South by Southwest that tackled the topic of dealing with internet access, how technology is changing cultures in developing parts of the world. One particular session caught my attention, led by Jose Briones, and I'll let him introduce it himself. My panel was called Frugal Innovation, Simple Designs to Improve Lives. And as you notice, we're in a noisy corridor, but this was the best place I could catch him. South by Southwest is enormous and loud, and this was actually relatively quiet, but I'll let him elaborate. What this is about, this is about finding solutions, very simple solutions, low-tech solutions, and and I want to emphasize that, to resolve urgent and immediate problems that people in developing nations have. And, And by this, I mean the lower socioeconomic strata of developing nations. As you may imagine, there are different people with different needs. What we're talking is really the lowest of the socioeconomic strata in developing nations. Most of these people live in houses when they don't even have basic services. You may realize uh, we are used to think of electricity, water, sewage are are available to all of us. Well, not not really. There's so many millions of people out there that do not have access to these services. And what I thought was interesting about his session is that he's not just an outside observer. He's actually experienced this himself. Well, I was born in Mexico, first of all. I... uh, arrived in the U.S. several years ago, but obviously my entire family still lives in Mexico. I continue to visit frequently, and obviously I've seen uh, high, high levels of poverty. I've actually seen them in person. I've visited some of these places. And to me, this is, a, again, a personal-type project. I, I'm, I'm doing this, in essence, as a volunteer because I, I don't know, I, perhaps hopefully I can, I'm using my skill set in something that perhaps leaves a little bit of a legacy to help people. And speaking about his skill set, he's got a pretty interesting and unique background. Again, I'll let him elaborate. I work for a company called C-Level Advisors. I do consulting on innovation, uh, product development, uh, commercial development, uh, product marketing, anything that has to do with the creation, um, uh, launch and commercialization of new products or new markets. That's, that's what I do. And that's, what I, that's why, in essence, I got so intrigued about all these things about technology and, and, and innovation, and, and, and I kind of put the two together. And this is why I found his session so intriguing. He has the perspective and the experience of knowing what he was talking about, but he also has the experience of working in the innovation economy, 
of working with lots of companies that do innovative things. And the whole focus of frugal innovation was absolutely fascinating. And his argument is quite compelling. There are two problems that I see with uh, many of the fixes that are tried to be implemented in these situations. One, they go for the big fix. Let's say, okay, but people don't have water. Well, we're going to build a water plant. Yes, that makes sense. Okay, okay, put a water plant and water distribution system, water purification, so on and so forth. But that costs a lot of money. And to do that for everybody, well, it's very difficult. And second, there is also this, all these issues of inefficiencies and corruption and, and on and on and on. What ends up happening is that still maybe they get one project built, the politicians all want to say, oh, my God, we got, we got this built, but you solve the needs of a very small number of people and everybody else has nothing. So that's the one problem. The other problem is, okay, <clears throat> we come in with a, a smaller solution, but still we want to apply high tech. Let me give you an example. The classical is uh, solar panels. Everybody wants to, to, to that, that's kind of a cool thing today, the alternative energy. And, and okay, so we bring in to these places, uh, but they have no electricity, we've got to bring solar panels. That's great, except what happens when the solar panels break. The solar <laughs> there is no qualified people uh, to, to fix solar panels. And, and, and the spare parts, well, they don't have internet access. They cannot order those from Amazon either. So, <laughs> so that's the other problem. They, they, they come in, bring these solutions in, and, uh, and then they leave, and the, and the solutions may work for a little while. Eventually they break, they get thrown into the trash, they're back where they started. And this was what was so intriguing about his session, is I had never thought about the potential burden of innovations. And he specifically focused on this idea that these are innovations that seem to impress us. They seem to impress developed countries. Putting solar panels in another place or, or putting in some other sort of smart technology. And that we actually need to think a lot more simply. We need to think simpler and that innovation can also show up in very cheap in very mechanically simple ways. That's the issue, the infrastructure. And again, I don't want to, to discard or say that these solutions don't work. It's the greatest thing in the world that's happening today is the what I call the phenomenon of the cheap tablets. And I'm sure you've, you've seen in India right now, there's a tablet that costs now $25. And in fact, even here in the U.S., you can buy a very, very high-quality tablet these days for 100 bucks. That's phenomenal. So I don't want to say that that doesn't have a place. Yes, it does have a place. The increasing education is a significant issue in, in everywhere in the world, even in the U.S. And providing access to technology to children addresses part, partly addresses that need. However, again, I go, I, let, we go back to the, what I started with, where we're dealing here in situations where these people don't have clean water. <laughs> they don't have uh, uh, how to cook. They don't have, I mean, millions of children today die of very simple diseases because they're eating either uh, um, uh, contaminated food or, or food that's going bad uh, or contaminated water. That, that's the basic needs that we're dealing with here that need to be addressed, or at least I think that need to be addressed first, and then we can start bringing tablets and all those things. Yes, they have a place, but there are things we need to address immediately. And in his presentation, he addressed a range of simple inventions that are easy to produce with local resources um, and make people's lives a lot better. For instance... A mythical refrigerator. Again, a refrigerator uses no electricity. It works via water evaporation. It's a, it's a double panel, clay panel. You put water in it, 
the water sort of uh, evaporates through the wall, cools the refrigerator. Now, obviously, this will never work as well as the refrigerator that you and I have in our homes. But that doesn't actually matter as much. Even extending the life of food by two or three days has a huge effect on the quality of life for many households all over the world. To save time. Again, these places, they don't have a corner store uh, or a supermarket right there by the, by the corner of the, of the house. They need to walk in many cases, in many cases hours to get food. And they have to do this every day because they have no way to store food. Now, if they can go to the store every two days or maybe even every three days, now they can do other things. They can educate their children. They can work. That's time they gain to do other things to improve their lives. And these ideas aren't new ideas. These ideas aren't started by Jose. And this isn't the first time that people have made arguments for frugal innovation. What's interesting about Jose's perspective is that he sees it in the holistic context. And this sort of leads us into the next section where he talks about housing. Part of the solution that I was discussed during the um, presentation is, of course, the housing issue. And I presented some of the results of a recent uh, contest called the $300 House, where a number of designs were submitted and some of them uh, um, well, obviously, there were some, uh, I think it showed the five top uh, places in the design. And some of those, uh, I understand, they're already been implemented. So uh, what I mean is the solution is a combination of both the housing solution and then you have the quality of life solution. That's what this is about. So there's another organization, a wonderful organization. In fact, how this whole project started for me, I was visiting a site uh, that an organization, Un Techo Para Mi País, was building some housing in Mexico, Tulancingo, Mexico. They were, um, they, they have a very interesting approach. I always, I call it, they are applying U.S. construction techniques to Latin America. And what this means is they're taking, in essence, uh, they go to a site, they take, in essence, plywood panels, and in two days they build a house. And they, 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 um, very quickly, very efficiently, it's an all-volunteer organization, they do wonderful work. But when I was there at that site, that's when I started to think, hey, how about the refrigerator? How about the cooking? How about the water? How about, and that's how that whole thing started, by seeing what, because again, they're, they're focusing on one part of the problem, housing, but they're not focusing on the rest of the problems. So Jose sees all of these things. He sees the housing, but he also sees what goes into the houses, how you can store food longer, how you can purify water, and how you can do this with local materials at low cost. And I think that's what's so innovative, is this idea of an overhauled, innovative, and frugal form of innovation. Think of it as the building blocks, I see, the way I see it. These are the building blocks to cover the basic needs of a family or a population. And the difference, again, of what I'm trying to do versus, shall I say, the big efforts of perhaps other NGOs, is that this is things that uh, can be implemented immediately. We shouldn't be waiting to bring some of these things to the people that need them. So, and, so that basic building blocks you can bring it and address the needs perhaps not, not in a perfect way but at least part way at least we can be doing something now uh, I always like to say we wait for perfection we may be waiting forever and you can find more information about his session about technologies that were mentioned in this interview in the show notes for the podcast but before I end the section with his interview I do want to give him an opportunity to talk about a book that he's been working on I'm in the middle of writing a book for innovation management. This is not necessarily related to this project. As I said, I, my specialty is innovation and product commercialization. And it's an effort that I've been working on for now, well, way too long, maybe, well over five years. 
uh, and given a lot of presentation on the subject, and, and finally starting to the point, I've been compiling it in, in the form of my book. What it is, is in essence, uh, you, you mentioned you had an interest in disruptive technologies. Well, uh, what happens is that most of the methods out there for the management of innovation projects are designed for the management of incremental innovation. Sort of a very uh, small changes of product line extensions of existing um, uh, offerings. When, when you are dealing with disruptive <laughs> innovations in a company, the, 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 the existing methods don't work. Existing methods require way too much information and they're not equipped to, to deal what's called managing uncertainty. And that's what really you have to do when you're managing disruptive innovation, managing uncertainty. After a lot of work and after beating my head against the wall multiple times, I was able to come up with a method that I call the spiral innovation method, in which with a different set of tools, you can analyze the problem and, and go through different turns of the spiral and use a different set of tools and, different, and then another turn of the spiral, different set of tools, and the tools are designed to operate within a certain level of uncertainty. So that's what the book's about, providing a way or, or a guide or a framework for somebody who's dealing with disruptive innovation to at least uh, uh, apply a comprehensive set of tools that show that you're making progress, to help you make the right decisions, to help you decide if you're really investing the resources in the right way or in the right place. I love talking to big picture thinkers. That was Jose Briones. I will make sure to update you on the progress of his book, on the progress of frugal innovation, and anything else that he's working on. So anyway, I'd like to talk about that post-South by Southwest roundtable at Conjunctured one more time. That's going to be on Wednesday, April 2nd, from 6 to 7.30. Also, I'm really excited about our next episode. It's going to be our South by Southwest activism episode on privacy and security. We have interviews with members of Fight for the Future in the ACLU, and it's going to be pretty great. And as always, keep on striving to do great things. Great.